Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. More Florida school districts buck Governor Ron DeSantis on mask mandates, a lawsuit challenging the governor's mask order advances in court, and Disney Cruises requires vaccine passports in defiance of state law. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Fins. The first. That funky music means it's time for some number picking. John, do you have a number for us today? Zach, I sure do. I'm here this week with a 39. All right. How about you, Antonio? You know, I'm going to go with a kind of a groundbreaking three. Three. All right. And I'm right in the middle with a 15. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, nearly a dozen counties encompassing about half of Florida's school children are now defying Governor Ron DeSantis's ban on school mask mandates. Antonio, can you recall a situation in the past where local officials have been so flagrant about ignoring the governor? And what do you think this means politically for DeSantis? Well, I, I don't recall such a situation, but then again, I don't really ever recall being in the middle of a pandemic. But look, what we know is that there is a statewide rebellion against DeSantis's iron fist mano dura politics here. You know, remember a week ago when he gave Broward and Alachua County school districts 48 hours to recant or else lose money? Well, they did retreat. And now another what, like 10 school districts have joined in disobeying the governor by implementing these mask mandates. You know, by one estimate, 50 percent of school children in Florida right now are attending a school in a district that is defying DeSantis. In addition, there was that poll that came out Wednesday showing that 60% of those Floridians surveyed support requiring students, teachers, and staff to wear a mask in schools while only 36% oppose it. Now you heard that right, just 36%. That's the number the governor is catering, catering to, a third plus of the electorate. Oh, but wait, there's more because 61% of Floridians in that poll said they believe the rise in cases in the past few weeks was preventable. And 63% are concerned about the Delta variant, while 59% say the spread of COVID-19 is out of control in Florida. And, and 73% say it's a serious current problem. No wonder counties and school boards are sensing that they have leverage to disregard DeSantis' threats in acting to protect public health, and in the case of schools, the public health of children. Those numbers point to a governor who is out of step with the bulk of his constituents. And those numbers also expose the governor to attacks from Democratic critics and rivals who say he's mistaken in trying to make believe that everything is fine in Florida. And it's certainly not good for DeSantis to be disobeyed as such, you know, coming across as such as weak or impotent before a basis sees weakness and impotence as unforgivable character flaws. It's not a good idea. You know, and having school boards defy you is not how you promote a strong image. You know, problem is that you know, what DeSantis is advocating here is this ultra individual freedom that smacks of the you know mix of rogue libertarianism with a twist of anarchy. It basically says, hey, Florida, do whatever you want. You know, even as according to one tally, we are the only state in the country seeing a record surge in COVID deaths. And on Wednesday, the state logged another one day record with more than 26,000 new cases. And Florida is posting a daily average of more than 200 COVID deaths per day. Now look, on, on top of that, some of DeSantis' arguments are not aging well. Remember in the spring when he defended his ban on vaccine passports, saying he didn't want a 22-year-old who has nothing to worry about COVID to have to be vaccinated before getting on a cruise ship? Well, with the Delta variant, that 22-year-old has plenty to worry about. Sure, you know, the anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers are fully in DeSantis' corner, 
But in addition to being a decided minority, their viewpoints are pretty much completely discredited. Look, Floridians don't want to lock down. Nothing scares a business owner or employee like hearing the words lock and down put together. But many Floridians understand there's a simple middle ground, vaccination and wearing a mask at certain times. That's a consensus and local officials sense it. And I think that's why they're comfortable in defying the governor. Antonio, I mean, just, uh, so according to some of these polls, DeSantis may be out of step with the majority of the electorate in Florida. But, uh, you know, if he, he might not be out of step with the majority of Republicans. I mean, it seems like there is a, a, a pretty significant contingent within the party that uh, has questions about mass mandates, including mass mandates uh, in school. Uh, and, you know, he, he needs to keep that group uh, on his side, doesn't he? I mean, I wonder even if if DeSantis loses this, you know, this battle and, and the districts are able to keep some of their, you know, mask mandates politically, is it a, a win for him at all? Do you think if, I mean, just picking this fight? Well, it is among Republicans. Like you said, it is true. And we've reported that plenty of times that, you know, Republicans are, are squarely in his corner. You know, uh, we've, we've reported that if you look at the counties that, for example, that Trump did best in last November, those are the counties with the lower vaccination rates. Um, so, yes, he, he, he definitely has Republicans in his corner and he's not only in Florida, but he's very popular among Republicans around the country. But when it comes to the general election last year, let's keep in mind that he only won by 30,000 votes in 2018. And you're going to need independence. Yeah, Democrats are not going to vote for him no matter what, or at least most of them won't. But those independents, those swing votes, you know, those are very, you know, those are very important voters. And, and a lot of those voters are in those, you know, voter, those polls. That's that's why you're getting 60, 70 percent, you know, out, you know, basically disagreeing with him. If the polls are correct, disagreeing with them on a lot of these issues that de deal with, you know, how to deal with COVID. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, Republicans are in his corner. But. Are, will Republicans alone be enough to win next year? And one of the biggest problems for DeSantis is that, uh, you know, the, the virus is not going away. We just reported another record uh, case level here in Florida, uh, daily case level. And, and uh, you know, it's been about a month now of, of this surging. And I, I remember a few weeks ago where DeSantis at a press conference was talking about uh, emergency room visits and people with COVID-like symptoms and saying that he was thinking that that might start to plateau. There seemed to be some hope uh, from him and his administration that maybe, uh, you know, they put this uh, executive order in place on mass and then, you know, the, the number of cases peaks and starts to wane. And, uh, you know, he has more political coverage to continue to push this. But as, as if cases stay at record levels, um, his his uh, people, I think more more and more people are going to grow concerned about uh, the spread and the number of people in the hospitals. Well, not only is DeSantis being challenged by school boards, but he's also being challenged in court by parents who want local districts to decide on masks. John, you followed the court case this week. What were some of the arguments you heard? Well, the arguments are kind of familiar to anyone who's been following this fight between the governor and many educators, uh, lawyers for the governor in this lawsuit 
uh, brought as witnesses a few parents whose children have been unhappy in school, uh, struggled uh, with, uh, you know, hearing teachers or underscoring uh, or understanding uh, social cues from their their friends. Uh, some have talked about health conditions that uh, they maintain have been aggravated because they had to wear masks uh, last year during school. So a lot of this is reflecting on the way things were uh, when counties were a little bit more vigilant during the the, the pre-vaccine days and uh, DeSantis's office as well was uh, not standing in the way of uh, the locals uh, imposing some kind of mask mandate, which is a, a different position than he is now where he is is seeking to ban or has ordered a ban on any kind of mask mandates that don't have a parental opt-out. And that's where we have 10 counties across the state that uh, are currently doing just that uh, with uh, only medical opt-outs, not not merely a parent opt-out. Uh, DeSantis's lawyers this week, uh, they, they've brought in education department officials who, you know, no surprise, they support the governor's call for letting parents decide who should wear masks. And uh, even a witness brought in was uh, Dr. Jay uh, Bhattacharya. Uh, he's a professor of medicine at uh, Stanford University. Uh, he testified saying that uh, masks don't prevent uh, transmission of the virus, uh, which kind of defies most health experts. Uh, Bhattacharya is a co-author of the, the Great Barrington Declaration, which last year pushed for herd immunity and opposed lockdowns and mask wearing. And uh, he's uh, he, he's appeared frequently with DeSantis in COVID-19 policy roundtables. Um, anyway, we, we should get a ruling on this case Friday. That's a that's a day after we record this podcast. But uh, as you point out, Zach, De- DeSantis has been under attack for his no mask mandate policy with uh, the with the 10 counties now ignoring the governor and uh, the um, the 10 counties covered include the state's biggest, uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, and Hillsborough. And as we said, uh, they take in more than half of the state's 2.9 million students. So, you know, maybe the best thing uh, for DeSantis right now is that um, the court rules against his policy, and then he can attack a judge from more liberal-leaning Leon County as the uh, culprit and uh, appeal the case to the First District Court of Appeal, which is comprised of judges appointed by Republican governors, uh, where, which may mean he gets a better outcome on appeal. But um, DeSantis, uh, you know, all told, as uh, Antonio was pointing out, he, he may be losing this fight. Uh, a Quinnipiac University poll of Florida voters released Wednesday showed that 51 percent disapprove of the governor's response to COVID-19, with 46 percent uh, supporting his, his approach. Um, his handling of public schools drew a similar response with 51% of uh, poll responders disapproving and only 44% uh, in favor of what he's been doing. So, um, you know, the lawsuit that this uh, trial is uh, based on was brought by parents from a half dozen counties who uh, uh, say that his ban violates the state constitution, which uh, not only requires a safe public school system, but also gives school boards the power to uh, operate, control, and supervise schools within their districts. Um, the lawsuits, the, the parents are from Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, Hillsborough, Pinellas, and Alachua counties. They, they're arguing that DeSantis, quote, wrongfully assumes that state authorities can better determine the local health risks and educational needs of students and teachers. So, that, um, you know, you're seeing COVID cases continue to mount in Florida, and 
that includes sadly kids, teachers, and staff getting sick at schools. And uh, worse now, you're starting to see high school football already disrupted. So, um, you know, DeSantis seems an outlier from the thinking now of a lot of Floridians who who just want the government to take steps to make this latest surge go away. Um, you know, that, that, that Quinnipiac poll also showed that 60% of Floridians support masks in school and 61% said the sur- latest surge of COVID was preventable. The guy at the top, you know, DeSantis in this case, is who they're eventually going to be blaming. Yeah, and you mentioned um, the number of COVID cases uh, in schools. Um, we just had a, uh, a teacher here in Sarasota County yeah. who died of COVID-19. Now, she appeared to have contracted the virus um, outside of school. She got sick uh, while the week before school um, and didn't go to the meet the teacher event. Um, but it's still it's still shocking for people to see uh, an educator uh, in the community die like that. And, you know, if you have some stories, uh, you know, if, the, if that, uh, you know, if you get teachers who are contract uh, contracting the virus uh, in school or, or God forbid students, uh, you know, that, that becomes um, a lot more of uh, concern for folks and could increase the pressure on uh, DeSantis here. Well, while school officials defy DeSantis on masks, Disney is ignoring his vaccine passport ban and requiring passengers on Disney cruises to be vaccinated. Antonio, you don't mess with a mouse in Florida. Do you expect DeSantis to retaliate against Disney? And what do you make? You know, um, the Bahamas is also requiring vaccine vaccination to uh, to dock there. I mean, there's so many cruise ships that go through um, the Bahamas, it seems almost impossible for cruises not to require vaccinations if they're going to be um, uh, sailing in that area now. Yeah, Zach, I, I'm thinking the governor may instead retaliate against the Bahamas with another line of merchandise, you know, T-shirts that read, don't goombay my Florida or how am I going to drink my Bahama mama with a mask on? Look, the, the <laughs> fact of the matter is, look, we said this, that the governor and state lawmakers were kind of painting themselves into a corner last spring when they converted the governor's executive order into state law. You know, so with the vaccine passport and cruise lines, what do you do now that a foreign country, the Bahamas, has said all passengers disembarking on their territory, those passengers over the age of 12 have to be vaccinated? You know, the governor and the state Republican lawmakers that went, you know, that backed this law have left themselves no flexibility to say something like, well, you know, we'll give the cruise lines a pass because they are dealing with an extraterritorial entity. That's the problem. The reason Disney's cruise line is taking this action is because they sail to the Bahamas and the Bahamas has said that is their rule. And the reason so many cruise lines go to the Bahamas is because it's just 50 miles offshore. I mean, they're right there. Problem is, you know, the vaccine passport ban is Florida law. And you either enforce a law or you don't. And if you don't enforce it on the Disney cruise line, then how do you enforce it on the Disney theme park? Now, yes, DeSantis could retaliate against Disney, one of the most popular brands in uh, the galaxy. He could impose fines on the company. He could badmouth Disney like he badmouthed Norwegian cruise lines. He can do all that. And he can continue to cater to the 36% we talked about earlier. But let's go back in time a bit when Charlie Chris was the Republican governor of Florida. And one of the things that Chris did that infuriated his fellow Republicans and Florida businesses and ultimately made him an ex-Republican in the state is the way that he attacked insurance companies. At one point, he even said he was trying to put 
quote unquote, the final final nail in the coffin of the insurance industry. That posture and rhetoric soured a lot of business people on Christ. You know, Republicans are not supposed to be attacking state businesses. They're supposed to be helping state businesses do better. That is why DeSantis is, you know, I kept you in business and in your job approach proved so popular earlier this year. But the Delta variant has changed the playing field and the governor's response, well, go get a monoclonal you know, antibody treatment once you are sick so you don't have to go to the hospital. Well, most people in Florida seem to be saying, look, no thanks. I, I'd rather just avoid all that and just get a vaccine and wear a mask if I have to. Yeah, it does seem like, um, you know, if if schools are in rebellion, uh, you know, that's one thing. But if businesses start to be in rebellion against the, the governor, that could put even more pressure uh, on him. We'll, we'll move on to some numbers here. John, you want to tell us about yours? I did, Zach. I had a 39 and that's 39 percent. And it represents how much the population of the Central Florida retirement community, the villages, grew in the new census numbers released this month. The, the villages is the fastest growing metropolitan statistical area in the, in the country with 39 uh, percent increase over 10 years ago. And that tops uh, runner up Austin, Texas, by six percentage points. Uh, the villages MSA is uh, just the Sumter County portion of the villages, which also sprawls into Lake and Marion counties. But the, the village's metropolitan area now has 130,000 people. That's up from 93,000 back in 2010, when uh, around that time, I also remember going there with political candidates and thinking, hey, this is a pretty big retirement community. And, uh, you know, yes, it is. It's a it's a big, big Republican area as well. Uh, forecasters uh, also are saying that Sumter County, driven by the village's population, will have a quarter million people in 20 years. Now, the, the, the politics of this growth is uh, really bad news for Democrats in Florida. The, uh, the influx of retirees is almost certain to keep Florida leaning red, maybe uh, getting decidedly red in coming years. Uh, now, now, you know, census figures that we uh, all, all of our news organizations this past few couple of weeks did a lot with this. But, um, you know, the state is getting more diverse. There's no doubt about that. And maybe that holds some hope from the for Democratic voter registration, since since Black and Hispanic voters tend to favor Democrats, uh, excluding the still large uh, Cuban-American share of the Hispanic electorate. But um, the state's Hispanic population is climbing now to 26.5% of the state, and the Black and white share of the population has declined some. But um, these moving vans full of retirees heading to the villages, which uh, has long been a place for Republican candidates to go, uh, as a matter of fact, Governor DeSantis was just there Wednesday. Uh, well, well this, the, the, these newcomers are going to keep registering as Republican voters, most of them, and uh, they will continue to make Florida redder. Um, you know, we've seen these kind of uh, trends before. Long ago in Florida, the, the, the 1960s and 70s, areas like Broward County were you know, still pretty heavily Republican until they shifted Democrat with the arrival of uh, massive numbers of snowbirds and year-round retirees uh, coming from New York, New Jersey, and other mostly blue places. So uh, retirees can certainly tilt the politics of their new state. But, um, you know, and, and yeah, th there are retired Democrats in these numbers and the villages does have its share of active Democrats. But the, uh, the villages has been historically very Republican, uh, you, you know, we've talked about Sumter County before here on this podcast as being one of the more robust strength areas for President Trump and 
two elections now for president and uh, statewide Republican candidates. Obviously, they do well there, too. But the, uh, the the bottom line is that, you know, these census numbers should be chilling for Florida Democrats. It's uh, it's just really never good when the, the nation's fastest growing area includes a section where your rivals are already very deeply rooted. Yeah, uh, you're not a political reporter in Florida if you haven't covered an event in the villages. And it's only going to become more of a draw as it, it grows bigger and bigger. Uh, Antonio, uh, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, gentlemen. So three is a double number, kind of a groundbreaking double number here. Let me explain. Uh, it stands for two different facts that are actually interrelated. Uh, first, it stands for the three years of probation, including a year of house arrest that a Palm Beach County man got this week for admitting his world in an election sham. And it also stands for the three Florida Senate seats he and two other so-called fake candidates might have secured for Republicans in last year's election. So let's start with the court case. On Tuesday, Alexis Pedro Rodriguez pleaded guilty to two election fraud counts in a scheme to divert votes away from the Democratic incumbent in a Florida Senate race in Miami-Dade last year. The way this worked is that Alexis Rodriguez agreed to place his name on the ballot as Alex Rodriguez in a race where incumbent Democrat State Senator Javier Rodriguez was seeking re-election. Despite the fact that Alex Rodriguez really did not campaign and had no intention of ever winning, he drew six, more than 6,000 votes. And Republican Ileana Garcia ultimately won the seat by just 32 votes. So simply put, Rodriguez admitted accepting money to put his name on the ballot to confuse voters, and it appears to have worked. And as such, the Republicans flipped the Miami-Dade Senate seat, and, and two other similar schemes reportedly also helped GOP candidates secure two other state Senate seats in Central Florida. All told, those three seats won by GOP candidates gave Republicans a 24 to 16 majority in the Florida Senate. That is a comfortable margin instead of the much more narrower, 20, narrower 21 to 19 majority had the Democrats won those three races. The reason all this matters is that an eight-seat gap in the Florida Senate is what allowed a lot of controversial legislation to pass without much opposition this year. And it would give Republicans a big advantage as redistricting looms next year. And it speaks to a certain disconnect as DeSantis and GOP lawmakers spent the spring pushing vote reform, voting reforms to address non-existent voter fraud, whilst knowing that three of their colleagues benefited from election shenanigans. In the end, look, this again proves that elections matter and votes really matter. Don't be fooled. Next time around, please pay close attention before you bubble in that ballot. Yeah, that's a this is a really fascinating case, you know, that we've discussed on the podcast before. And uh, that guilty plea could, uh, you know, be pretty significant uh, going forward if he's uh, testifying against uh, Artillis and anybody else uh, involved here. Well, my number is 15, as in we are 15 days away from the peak of hurricane season, which occurs on September 10th. So far, things have been relatively quiet. We've had a few close calls in Florida with Hurricane Elsa and Tropical Storm Fred, but neither amounted to much in the end, and the state sustained pretty uh, minimal damage overall. But as the peak of hurricane season approaches, there are three systems developing in the Atlantic and the Caribbean right now, including one which, uh, when it forms, will be named Ida. 
that has the potential to be a significant hurricane that could impact the Florida panhandle, although right now they're saying it's more likely to go to Louisiana. These systems are another reminder that just because we have COVID and red tide and other problems in Florida, we can't take our eye off the tropics during hurricane season. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.